0: The great bible reset is a podcast devoted to counteracting the great economic reset of klaus schwab using bible lessons and theory thank you to boomers-alive.com for sponsoring this podcast and the kingsway classical academy this week we are continuing our study on the great books of western civilization and their effect on our current economical and spiritual crisis and now your host oliver woods Welcome once again everybody to TheGreatBibleReset.com Our thesis is that the great need of the hour is not a return to the original intent of the US Constitution but rather a return to the original intent of the law of God as summarized in Exodus 20 through 24 and these two are not synonymous and just a reminder that we're looking today at the third P in the papal era pod the first two being Saint Anselm and John of Salisbury whose writings are all contributing to the new radical separation of church and state following the papal revolution of 1075 with both church and state separating from the law of god as we seek to understand the impact of thomas aquinas we've developed kind of a subtext or a secondary theme this week of how this relates to the current focus on christian nationalism in particular a book called in defense of christian nationalism by Stephen Wolfe and published by Canon Press. Now, Mr. Wolfe would have done well to have started with the book of the covenant as the foundation for his analysis of Christian nationalism. But he admits that in the introduction, that his starting point is not biblical theology. In the middle of the book of Exodus, we find five chapters that define the, the model for a Christian nation and thus true Christian nationalism. And you can't Define Christian nationalism without referring to these biblical texts. God calls it the book of the covenant in in uh, Exodus 24 It was first delivered God's first Revelation to Moses with the Ten Commandments and this is the mosaic Constitution if you will for a Christian culture true Christian nationalism the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 are defined by the civil ordinances in chapters 21 through 23 and solemnized in chapter 24, where God declares it to be, quote, the book of the covenant. That's the name God gave it. For example, we have the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, defined in the case law requirement uh, in the next chapter, that or in chapter um, 22, I believe. Uh, if you steal one sheep, you have to pay back two sheep. So this is double equity in restitution. This is the gold standard, the Michelin stars the divine touchstone for all Christian nationalism, which sadly Wolf and a host of other Christian scribes studiously or insociately ignore. But God presents it as a unit, a book, and you can't cling to the Ten Commandments and neglect the specific ordinances that define them in Exodus 21 through 23. Now it's noteworthy that the specific case laws of chapter 21 and 22 yield to a non-legal social ethic between Exodus 22:21 and Exodus 23, 9. Both these verses contain the phrase, you shall not oppress a stranger. Thus they serve as bookends for a series of commands uh, that are not accompanied by a legal penalty. Rather, they are admonitions to specific acts of love toward fellow citizens in the kingdom of God and specifically foreigners. God's concern for strangers or foreigners who had no part in the government is so great that God says, if you afflict them at all, I will kill you. And it's very blunt there in the the text. The minority, especially on believers, is to be respected and protected in a a Christian commonwealth. An example is helping an enemy with his overloaded donkey. Now, in spite of these admirable features, um, the author falls into the same trap or matrix, if you will, that has ensnared Christian social political commentators since the founding of the church, The problem ranges all the way from St. Augustine's infatuation with Neoplatonism, all the way through to Aquinas' devotion to Aristotelian logic as the means of validating God's revelation or or analyzing and integrating the Justinian code, as we saw uh, yesterday. So what we have is a natural law counterfeit. One more natural law counterfeit. At the heart of it is a failure to distinguish between natural or general revelation, and so-called natural theology or natural law. And at the heart of it, it's a fallacy of definition. The textbook definition of natural revelation is God's general demonstration of certain aspects of his being in nature. Notably, his creativity, his power, his judgment, his provision, things like that. Um, And your Bible school professor um, will tell you, or has told you, that this general revelation is incomplete, but it's sufficient to condemn us and drive us to his special revelation in the Bible for everything else we need to know, including political theory. Now, the fatal error creeps in when forgetting our Bible school professor, we assume from general revel- from general revelation the existence in nature of the, re- of the rudiments of a natural theology or a natural law. And it's held that this natural theology may be parsed from nature by, quote, reason rightly understood, end of quote. To validate biblical theology, Anselm, for example, claimed to have proved the incarnation by human reasoning in natural law. In the attempt, he exalted the authority of human reason above the authority of the word of God, and this was in spite of his famous dictum: "I believe in order that I may understand." And reportedly, some of his students at one point said, um, "Well, sir, uh, can you approve this apart from the Bible?" And he fell into the he fell into <laughs> he accepted the dare and fell into the snare. Now, blissfully ignored is the debilitating effect of the fall on both the mind of man and the created order, i.e. nature. As as we see in Romans 8, 19-22, where it says that creation itself groans for the revealing of the sons of God. Neither one is a reliable guide for anything apart from revelation. Taken together, the potential for humanistic speculation is exponential. And Wolf takes them together. Wolfe falls into a similar trap. He frankly admits that this is a work of Christian political theory. It is not overall a work of political theology. I assume the Reformed theological tradition, which he never really defines, and so I make little effort to exegete biblical text. I am neither a theologian nor a biblical scholar. I have no training in moving from scriptural interpretation to theological articulation. So he admits right up front that he doesn't know how to interpret the Bible, and he sounds exactly like Immanuel Kant, uh, where he distinguished, where Kant distinguished between noumenal things in themselves or transcendental spiritual versus things as they are in the in the phenomenal. And and so Kant said, well. You know, he humbly admitted that I, I, you know, we can't understand that the spiritual things are way beyond us. So we just have to stick with the phenomenal things of uh, basically of natural law. So Wolf is is essentially a Kantian. Um, He defines Christian nationalism as a totality of national action consisting of civil laws and social customs conducted by a Christian nation as a Christian nation in order to procure for itself both heavenly and earthly good in Christ. In effect, this is government of the people, by the people, and for the people, rather than government of, by, and for Christ the King. You know, it's too vague, it's too man-centered. The Great Commission calls for active discipleship of the nations, and legal reform is at the heart of that, incrementally as as deuteronomy says so keep them and do them for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples And that's deuteronomy 4 6 through 8 the peoples are going to see you obeying god's law Uh, I mean the the gentile nations will see uh, Israel obeying god's law and the blessing that comes from that and then they will imitate israel israel was a uh, an example nation a priestly nation for that purpose and for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. This definition leaves out, Wolf's definition, leaves out the law of God and the all-important national covenant, which is the defining characteristic of a Christian nation, is the, the commitment of that nation to the law of God in terms of its judicial uh, criminal justice system and its cultural norms, and thus a Christian nation. The corporate body prints priest, prophet, and people, according to Ezekiel 5.7 and 7.26, must enter into covenant with God in order to, uh, to order their legal criminal justice system in accord with his law. And as we've noted, the U.S. Constitution fails miserably in this regard. In Article 6 in particular, it says all the laws made in pursuance thereof in Article 6 has ballooned into a bureaucratic nightmare of freedom stifling regulations, Binding the gullible gull- Gulliver, there's tried to try saying that ten times, uh, firmly to the deck. And in 2020, God began tightening the screws. But God forbid, God forbid, we should return to those tyrannical Old Testament laws. A little bit of sarcasm there. The designation "civil laws" in Wolf's definition is too vague. Elsewhere, he refers to plastic words that may be filled with virtually any content. The term civil laws is such a plastic word, a container that may be filled with any content. Might be a hearty brew or it might be a brew laced with arsenic. We must embrace God's civil laws for he alone defines perfect justice. And we fail to do that in the United States Constitution. This is opposed to the United States uh, Constitution where we hear uh, the phrase uh, rules-based society all the time. Not the U.S. Constitution, but the United States, where we hear that phrase, rules-based society, all the time. Uh, And this has nothing to do with the rule of law, especially biblical law. It's like the rules that the neighborhood bully (coughs) imposes on the rest of the neighborhood as, as time rolls along. But now comes Dr. Wolf with his modern rendition of the Polycraticus and a declaration that revealed theology serves to complete politics, but it is not the foundation. End of quote. Instead of the word of God, Dr. Wolf believes that politics must rest on a combination of natural and supernatural propositions in order to integrate natural and supernatural truth into a systematic political theory. End of quote. This refusal to build political theory on sola scriptura, scripture alone, is a recipe for disaster. We've been there, we've done that for the last 2,000 years. You know, whatever happened to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All scripture is given by inspiration of God that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished for every good work, including political theory. Or, yeah, including political theory. But Wolf draws an artificial line between political theory and political theology. Quote, The primary reason that this work is political theory is that I proceed from a foundation of natural principles. Or he means natural law, while Christian theology assumes natural theology as an ancillary component no it does not, but let me repeat that, while Christian theology assumes natural theology as an ancillary component Christian political theory treats natural principles as the foundation, the origin, the source of political life even Christian political life. Thus Dr. Wolf elevates natural law above biblical law in the formulation of political theory. And this is a a full out frontal assault on the authority, the ultimate authority of the law of God in the political realm. Wolf leans on the weak reed of Thomistic natural law when God insists on the firm staff of Bible law. Wolf points the way to a renewal of patriotic Christian nationalism when God calls for humble rejection of this proud shibboleth of American exceptionalism. And uh, <laughs> please check out um, our commentary and, um, in the bookstore at um, in the Christian School, Classical Christian School at KingswayClassicalAcademy.com and our store at Boomers Alive.com, which um, supports the school. And uh, thank you for uh, being here today and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you tomorrow for a, um, an interview that will go into this in um, quite a bit more detail. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more episodes, visit GreatBibleReset.com. And to help support the podcast and Kingsway Classical Academy, visit our sponsor at Boomers-Alive.com. To learn how to get your high school diploma and bachelor's degree on the same day, visit KingswayClassicalAcademy.com and save up to $100,000 on college tuition.